So I, I, I came, I was in the back and I was debating. Every Sunday I have this debate with myself, internal debate. <sighs> to robe or not to robe? That is the question. <laughs> Philosophical as you can be. And I, Casey walked by, I go, Casey, should I wear a robe today or not? And you know what he said to me? He said, what would your mother say? <laughs> So, Mom, wherever you are, this one is for you. We got some more announcements coming up to the end, but I just do want to say a very special welcome to all of you. It's great to be here on a Sunday morning with you. But we got, we got Nan Dahlberg's going back up to the way hinterlands of the north. And she's been carrying our band book library now for oh, well over a year. And she wants to do one. She wants to bring you one more band book moment. So Nan Dahlberg, come on up and drop some band books on us. You stole my line. You didn't know it. Bonjour. Bonjour. Just got back from Italy. Had to tell you that. Over the past year and a half, we've had the band book library in the lobby and almost monthly reports about particular band books. We've enjoy, I've enjoyed bringing those lessons to you, that information to you, but today is, this will be my last. Mike and I have uh, decided that this uh, topic perhaps has run its course. Not that it's not still vitally important, it is, but perhaps it's run its course here at Faith UCC. So since I'm leaving for Canada, like I said, you stole my thunder, I'm leaving for Canada uh, for six months. Now's a good time to uh, cap off this topic. And perhaps more than any other day, I want to highlight this being Mother's Day. I thought we might talk about a banned book organization. Drum roll, please. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're obedient. Moms for Liberty. If you haven't heard of Moms for Liberty, or also called MFL, it's a fast-growing organization founded in Florida, where else? In 2021, it was founded to advocate for parents who did not want their children to mask in school during the pandemic. This uh, small group morphed into a national parental rights organization. They are opposed to teaching critical race theory in public schools. You know, critical race theory, where teaching that slavery existed, or who Emmett Till or Martin Luther King or Ruby Bridges were. They are fighting to remove LGBTQ plus books from school libraries, along with pornography. You know, pornography like Judy Bloom's Hello God, This Is Me, Margaret. <laughs> or Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Both they have deemed pornographic. In addition, this organization worked to successfully ban 1,648 books since 2021. They have 135 chapters in 35 states, and they now boast 56,000 members. They are currently receiving funding from the Republican Party. 
and also the Heritage Foundation. MFL is currently working to get its members to run for public school boards and other public offices across the country. And currently, they boast 400 such successful elections in this year alone. A recent quote from one of their regional events boasted this, that globalists, utopians, socialists, totalitarians, and the UN are using public schools to undermine freedom and Christianity. Who knew? <laughs> the group has a reputation for calling those that oppose them pedophiles and say those who want to discuss sex education, gender identity, or sexual orientation in schools are grooming children for abuse. That's on their website. One member lost her Twitter account when she wrote, quote, let's round up those people who participate in pride events. Clearly, MFL wants to take America back to that time, you know, when it was great. <laughs> a time when I once asked my mother, who would have been a really wonderful member of this organization, what are those body parts called? You know, the ones euphemistically referred to as down there. <laughs> my mom, <clears throat> an early MFL member, I'm sure, told me with an absolutely straight face, those parts don't have names. <laughs> I'll tell you another time what she said when I asked her what a lesbian was. But I'd like to suggest in closing that MFL should really stand for Mother's Something Else Liberty. Good morning. Good morning. Our scripture text today might seem a little out of place as it is only generally read during Advent, right before Christmas. But here at Faith UCC, we don't play by the rules of election. <laughs> <laughs> and at times, we choose to liberate texts and people from all too confined spaces. This is one scripture, such pass one, this is one such scripture passage that needs to be liberated because in its words lies a very different picture of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And in these words lies the original spirit of Mother's Day. Don't believe me? Pastor Mike will soon tell you why. <laughs> Hear these words from Luke as he gives us the image of Mary that does not meet what we have been taught to believe. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will be called blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. 
He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise that he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. In these words lies the founding spirit of the earliest mother's days. Oh, thank you, Diane. And Merry Christmas to all of you. <laughs> I wonder if you'll do me a favor to start today. I need you to do something with me. I, I, we need to sing one verses of that famous song, My Eye. One, ver, one verses. One verse of that famous song, My Eyes Have Seen the Glory. Do it, do it right from your seats. Carolyn, will you play for us? And let's belt this out. And I'll tell you why in a second. That's the sermon. Goodbye. <laughs> My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, who is trampling all the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored, and has loosed that fateful lightning of a terrible, oh, a terrible swift sword. God's truth is marching on, wrote Julia Ward Howe. In that famous battle hymn of the Republic. I wanted to sing at least a verse today because I know it does seem rather str a strange song to include in a service acknowledging Mother's Day. In a sense, I mean, nothing says Happy Mother's Day like a song about trampling through the vineyards and <laughs> terrible swift swords and wrath and judgment and, uh, and the like. But in actuality, it's a, it's a perfect, strangely a perfect song. For that, for that hymn embodies the original spirit of what it is that so many celebrate today on, on Mother's Day. Human rights and peace and hope for a better world and of God being right there in the midst of it all. And, and if, it, if it, can't be Mother, and it can't be Mother's Day with at least hearing part of that song in my mind. So you all had to endure that just for me. And I thank you for that. <laughs> for those things, peace, hope. Um, those things uh, that she sings about are really the foundation and the origin of this day. In fact, the woman that wrote that, Julia Ward Howe and Mother's Day, actually are completely synonymous. They can't be separated. You see, the hymn was written by, you've heard her name before, Julia Ward Howe. She was a forceful and tireless champion of women's rights and humans right, human rights. Now, Howe was also a poet and a hymn writer and a main player in the creation of the original Mother's Day. 
Um, as she organized not a day, I'm sorry, of chocolates and flowers and honoring motherhood in general, as it is often celebrated today, but rather it was a, a day of peace. It was a day for peace for mothers around the world, and it was held in 1872. And on that day, that first peace protest, um, she called, Julie Warhol called on, on all uh, uh, mothers and all women who were sick and tired of watching their sons and daughters be ravaged by the ways of the world, the injustices of the world. So she called on them to rise up. She even wrote her famous Mother's Day proclamation. You'll see it going all over the place today on social media. I, I know you can't read that. We're not going to do a, 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 a unison reading of it. But I want to share it with you. She wrote these words, and this is known as the Mother's Day proclamation. Arise then, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts whether your baptism be of water or of tears. Say firmly, we will not have questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Oh, oh, at least how relevant this is. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking of carnage for caress and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity and mercy and patience. We women of one country will be too tender to those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. Her proclamation ended with these words. In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general congress of women without limit of nationality be appointed and held who, at some place deemed most convenient and at the earliest period consistent with its objects to promote the alliance of the different nationalities, the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interests of peace. Yes. With Howe's work and her proclamation, as well as others that I've told you about in past years, Mother Jarvis, you remember her? And her daughter, Anna Reeves Jarvis, who ended up really creating Mother's Day in the footsteps of Julie and then died Pennyless in a sanitarium trying to undo what she created. Um, I've shared their stories before. And it, the whole point is it's just none of these women in which this day is founded on ever envisioned it being one of chocolate and flowers and confections. But as a day to work for peace and justice and love. It's amazing how things transform over time, isn't it? And, 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 uh, and how original stories of something are softened into much more, well, kind of demure and nice kind of things. We like to do that. But, and not that flowers and chocolates, don't get me wrong, and brunches are bad things, right? It's a good thing. But I hope you get my point. The day was created for a reason, and those reasons have largely been lost. And, and I'd love to say the same thing about Father's Day, but you, you know what I always say? Do you know why there's Father's Day? Because there's, there's Mother's Day. Thank you. <laughs> ah, that's a much shorter sermon. Much shorter sermon on Father's Day. Speaking of things that um, have been softened and made much more tame than they originally were, today I want to journey briefly in, this, in, in the story of a mother 
on this Mother's Day who was as powerful and driven, I believe, as Julia Ward Howe and other tireless human rights activists, and whose story, kind of like Mother's Day, has also been completely transformed into something that it never was. And she's a key figure, perhaps the key figure, right there next to Jesus, alongside Jesus, the key figures in the Bible. And yeah, I'm talking about the one we sang about in our, I don't know if that's about her, I've never read a Beatles interpretation on that song, but it's the one we're singing about Mother Mary. You know, the mother of Jesus, the mighty woman who raised an amazing son who would go on to challenge the mightiest powers that the world had ever known. It is mother's, Mother Mary's story I want to tell on this Mother's Day, but in a way that maybe it was not, we don't know it today, but the way it was intended to be told, I will argue by the Gospel of Luke, because if you've ever opened your Bibles, which I know you do every Sunday afternoon, and you go to the first page of Luke, well, what, does, what does Luke say right off the bat? My dear Theophilus, I'm going to tell the real story. Says it right there, his first word. So obviously this, what he told, is the real story of Mary. Now some of you, again, might, you might have thought that you had fallen asleep and woken up right before Christmas with our reading from Luke Mary's Magnificat, perhaps some of the most prophetic words in all of Scripture. And indeed, today we are liberating Mary from the context of Christmas, where she is all too often relegated within for that one or two weeks, and we're bringing her powerful voice into what it is so many of us celebrate today, Mother's Day. Today we're going to ignore all the theological mumbo-jumbo that has been heaped on her shoulders as the Virgin Mary, or as the mother of the Lamb that will take away the sins of the world, or as the mother that will also later go on to be described as the one who is also immaculately conceived, all that jazz, and instead we're going to place her in the pantheon of mothers, and dare I say, rather than mothers, prophets, where she once was, and where she rightfully belongs, for only... A prophet mother, I will contend, could raise a son like Jesus to grow up, to challenge and break every conceivable social and economic barrier in the ancient world. Only a prophet mother could raise a son to risk the cross and the agonizingly brutal death of crucifixion to utter words of hope and change in a world that drastically needed it. Only a prophet could guide her son to imagine the world where a powerless peasant could lead the way in imagining a holy and systemically different kind of world. Mary, in her words, or Mary, her words likely reflected in Jesus's own words as he lived and grew and preached and taught and challenged the powers of his day. Well, she is a prophet in the highest caliber. And we need her voice more than just on the third Sunday of Advent when she runs off to visit Elizabeth as the handmaiden of the Lord, for she is far too important historically as a person to be relegated only to the realm of theology and myth. So today we're going to reclaim her. So let me ask you, when you think of Mary, what image comes to mind for you? Conjure up Mary in your, in your imagination right now. I'm sure it was filtered through Renaissance and Baroque and other Western artist, wasn't it? I'm guessing that it totally, totally was. So, so many, I put a couple up here. 
Many of us, this is what we were taught that kind of Mary, you know, looked like. And she's always kind of in this just perfect robes and adoringly, you know, looks like she just came from the beauty salon. <laughs> sure they had those back then, you know, in Galilee. Went down to the beauty salon. And her baby is just porcelain, skin white and glowing like a light bulb. I'm sure she was even surprised at that one. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I really did. That was not in my notes. Oh, man. Sometimes, sometimes, I tell you. Or, you know, a couple others. Like this one. I call the first one there, like, Jet Blast Mary. She looks like she's just, like, one of those jet packs over the water. They're coming out of her hands, though, and she's levitating around, you know. Do I have more? Oh, I do have some more. Oh, maybe yeah, some more. Each with its, its own interpretation as mediated by likely, again, some Western, some Western very, you know, white, Italian or Renaissance or some artist um, that commissioned the work, but not representing the real Mary, all just simply interpretations based on certain cultures of her and obviously quite idealized to the point of ridiculousness, Right. In some cases, she's turned from a woman of Middle Eastern descent into a Scandinavian almost overnight. There are tens of, go Google Mary later. Put your Bible down and go, to, go Google or IHOP it, and you can find all tens of thousands of images like this. And they're all beautiful paintings, but they're completely devoid of any kind of reality as the truth of who, who Mary was in so many different ways. But then I... I came across another image, and, and uh, I actually had this one in my notes for a long time, and, and honestly, I went looking for it this past week, and I couldn't even find it again. Couldn't even find it, but luckily I had it, and I've never been able to shake this one um, in light of who Jesus grew to become, and in light of the world turning upside down scripture that we heard in her song of, of reversals. It was this next image um, that I was searching for, that I found of Mary. I was instantly struck by this image, you know, and of Mary and Jesus, mother and child. And again, I don't know anything about the models and I don't know anything about the artists because I can't find any more information on them. But the image is simply mesmerizing to me as a depiction of Mother Mary and her child Jesus. And surely this is not the demure handmaiden of the Lord, right? Just fresh from the beauty salon dutifully carrying out the will of God to birth the Christ child, but is instead, I mean, look at her eyes. She's a woman with holy fire and, and holy anger in her. You can see in her eyes a lot like Julia Ward Howe had. You know, when she wrote that proclamation, when she wrote that, that hymn and she saw the situation around her in the world in a way in which she just could not raise her child and her son and to, to, to calmly go about his business in that world, as part of that world. He was going to be different because of her. With the fire of God in her eyes and with the justice of God in her heart, with, with, with God's enough in her wisdom and vision, she raised a child who saw the world for what it was, but look at him, who gazed elsewhere towards a really different kind of a future. You know, this image shows that. Mary is piercing the world with the 
look of pain and anger and passion and, and love. Look how she holds her child. And look how she, with that look, confronts the world of injustice just through that look. That look right there could peel the paint off a wall, couldn't it? That look could maybe make an NRA board member drop their gun. That look right there, that look can change the world. And in the end, given the life that Jesus grew to live and the good that he still inspires today, it surely did. It surely did. But look at the young Jesus here as well. Look at him. His hand on his mother, in other words, the pulse and the stability of his world. We're never really taught about that, are we? You know? about her own prophetic words that she instilled in him. And he gazes off to the future, perhaps into a, a distance over the horizon, to a new world, a new tomorrow that he will go on to inspire because of her. You know, he senses something else, and he's got that slight smile, almost as though he, he tastes and knows it can be made real because he's infused with it, the future being a part of him because of her. And that's how I envision a young Jesus. And why would we, we would be remiss not to take heed to the fact that someone had to raise him that way. You know, that someone was Mother Mary. And honestly, folks, in our very modern day and age, it's not enough to just say, oh, he was God, you know, incarnate, birthed by a humble virgin. Of course, he saw the world differently. No, to, to see it that way is to write Mary completely out of the picture. To see it that way is to see with the limited imagination of an ancient worldview that just isn't really all that relevant anymore, one of which we know so much more than. This image in Mary's words, they just don't allow us to do that anymore, you know? Mary, rather, was so much more than an innocent and, and humble bystander and handmaiden of the Lord. She was a prophet that taught prophetic things, and Jesus only became what he did because of her teachings. I'm haunted by this image. I love it. And we all know Mary's words, right? The Magnificat that was read, Naya read for us today, and those beautiful words, you know, we, we, we used to sing it. I'm not sure we did it the last year or two, but we used to sing, you know, I'm not going to sing it for you, but my soul, <laughs> my soul doth magnify the Lord. Oh, God, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> And my spirit hath, hath rejoiced, hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You know it. We hear them every year, generally during Advent, but only in Advent. And yet all too often, all we hear are those first few lines, you know, and then that, that's it. But it's the lines in Mary's words that come next that call, that we heard, that call us to see Mary not only as the mother of Jesus, but a prophet in her own right and tone. Let me tell you something. Tone. Tone. It's so important when you read these words and really any words in scriptures. I've said that before, how important tone is. Because it's easy to read this text and hear this, the demure handmaiden's voice. You know, that's the way it was always, was it always read that way to you as a child? It's always read that way to me, you know. It's like, oh, it's like Mary gazing up, you know, back to the, the way Mary's, you know, the mighty one has done such great things for me and, Holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. You know, very soft. He's shown great strength with his arm. <laughs> and he scattered the proud in their thoughts, in their hearts. He's 
brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away. <laughs> Can you imagine reading Julia Ward's Howe's proclamation that way? You know, arise women of this day. Arise all women who happen to have hearts. Whether your baptism be of water or tears. No! Stinking way. The person that wrote this along with her famous hymn doesn't write about God trampling through the vineyards and terrible swift swords in a quiet, easy-going, demure, soft tone. It doesn't happen. They have no bite, the words. They have no sting. And they have little prophetic power. So, like how, and I say the same goes for Mary, when we really want to enter into the context of her life, who is an impressed, oppressed, poor peasant woman for whom violence and systemic injustice was a part of her everyday life and experience. It framed her existence. We know this historically. And if we set it to that, we have to change our tone dramatically. We've got we to gotta hear the words as more like Diane started to read for us. You know, the mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Oh, he's mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And he sent the rich packing. That's, you know, kind of changes it, doesn't it? And how you envision Mary? A lot like the images that we looked at, you know? There's no way Mary, who utters such harsh condemnations of the systems of injustice and says such challenging prophetic words and that scripture reading was soft and quiet as tradition would like to, to make her be. The humble virgin. No way. And besides, Luke again told us at the outset he was writing the, the definitive version, right? Of, and so it has to, has to apply to Mary as well. So the reality is that Mother Mary spoke words that challenged everything around her. Justice was a part of who she was, and because it was such a strong part of her, well, then it was also going to be such a strong part of the child she would raise, a child who would go on because of her to change the world. So Mary is a mother to emulate. And Mother's Day, not just Christmas, <laughs> is a great day to tell her powerful story. I'm glad we liberated her on this day, this Mother's Day, and set her free to tell her story of challenge, peace, justice, and hope. For that's the story she lived and breathed. That's the story she passed on to her son. And that's the story she would tell us today. Because we need her vision of the world and God, it seems, more than ever. In fact, I was kind of wondering... You know, if Mary was here today, what might she say, you know, giving her words to all the stuff, the carnage, you know, the things that are going on in our world. And in her time, as we heard as a mother, she spoke about the rich being humbled, the power brokers of the time being stripped <laughs> of their powers <laughs> and their greed, the poor finally having the things that they need, the vulnerable receiving the justice that they had been Waiting. So I wonder, you know, today, let's say Mary walked back in here 
or flew in on her jetpack. <laughs> Don't think that would happen. Where would her anger and her condemnation be today? You know, Nan gave us a hint. I have a feeling. We at the aimed at the powerful who do nothing about gun violence. You know, the monsters shipping immigrants around to score political points. So they're just pawns. The polluters who are taking her children's chance at a future for a healthy planet. The oppressors stripping away rights and advocating violence against people because of their gender or their race or their ethnicity, religion, culture, sexual orientation. What would she say about what certain segments of our society are doing to trans kids these days? What would she say? Luke told us what she would say. And remember, Luke's the only place you'll hear the story of the Good Samaritan as well. Or the prodigal son. Stories of overturning all of the injustices of society with a vision of love and healing. So Mary, he's telling us, preaches a, a really similar message, regardless of what history has tried to do to silence her and put her back into her role as the quiet, demure vessel of the Christ child. And that's the Mother Mary I want to lift up and celebrate today on Mother's Day because it sure seems like she was the day's original driving force that Julia Ward Howe and others picked up on. Mm, what a great day. So however you celebrate this day, my friends, I wish you a blessed, blessed Mother's Day, whether it's full of flowers and chocolate, it's okay. <laughs> Who doesn't love those things? Whether it's one of family visits or whether it's one of remembering your own mother who might still be with you. Maybe you get a to call her later. Or like me and my mom who lives on in my, in my heart, in my memory. Or whether it's, you know, mothering your furry children, your furry children out there. Or whether it's spent on the front lines of injustice working for, for peace and those early, like those earliest Mother's Days. Or, or whether it's spent like Mary raising the next generation of teachers and prophets. Or whether it's just... Spending time with our ultimate mother, you know, Mother Earth. However you choose to spend this day may be filled with meaning and hope and peace. And most of all, may the spirit of those first mother's days and those tireless activists that came before all of us. And of course, the spirit of Mother Mary. May that shine all year long and not just one day a year. Happy, blessed Mother's Day, everyone. Have a great day celebrating it as you see fit. Peace be with you all. Amen. Amen.